And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked to about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for believing in me. I'm Steve Ferroli. You are listening to the Ted Williams League Baseball Podcast. Days at the playground Right out in the street Baseball Hi, I'm Steve Ferroli, and I'm, we've got an exciting podcast for you tonight. I'm sitting here back with the boys. They're, the boys are back in town from college. Uh, we got Matt Marini, Dylan McDonald, and Ryan McDonald back from New Hampshire. And Matt, how's it been going? Uh, it's been pretty good. This semester was actually uh, pretty good grade-wise, which is weird because I feel like last year was easier of all the online COVID stuff. But I actually did better this year, probably because I had to focus more. But well, yeah. you're actually there now, right? Yeah, 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 I am. Yeah. Dylan, what's going on? Uh, I just got done from school last Thursday. Uh, I'm back in town. Feels nice. I've actually been able to relax for a few days. Um, but yeah, I finished up my uh, first semester of my junior year at Mass Maritime. Uh, for those who, who don't know, I'm a business student there. And... Uh, it was a very tough semester for me, but it was a big transition going from online before, and now everything was back to in-person this semester. But So you guys prefer the in-person? Yeah, I do. I do, at least. I would say so as well. I mean, online, like, you kind of can, like, get away with a little bit more. You have, like, more freedom. Like, it's, like, the tests are, like, they're not really, like, monitored or anything for the most part. Uh, but the in-person classes... Basically, it makes you like study, study a lot more and put a lot more work into it. Yeah, and, um, online's like way too relaxed. You can kind of lose focus very easily when you're online. Well, plus too, you can't see the professor or doctor's face. They might be making a face like they hate you, and you don't even know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ryan, how's it going for you? Ryan, back from New Hampshire, uh, the left-handed curveball. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, finished up my first semester of college. Good, been getting good grades and uh, playing a lot of baseball, so that's been fun. So the baseball's been going good. Yeah, it's been yeah. going really well. Now, are you still active in that, or or they, or does you take a little break after the fall? Uh, so we had a full fall season where during the week we pretty much did scrimmages between our team, and then we did two outside games against northern vermont and uh we split those so we won one lost one so that was pretty good and then now we've just been doing indoor practices and he sent us home with programs for the winter and then we go back now a program for the winter is that kind of like what he wants different players to do before he sees you again yeah so mine involves uh, a strength program and then I have a throwing program to get ready for the spring too. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. How's the team look up there? Uh, we look all right. We get to, we have to improve a little bit, but I think we'll have a good spring. I heard you're one of the only uh, lefty pitchers in the staff. 
Yeah, I'm the only lefty as of right now. We have I'm second lefty and outfielder who we're trying to have throw a little bit, but yeah, only lefty. Hmm. Well, that's uh, that's a good place and a bad place to be in a way. You know, you know, good for you, maybe bad for the team. You could use another left-hander or two. Would always be nice. But um, yeah, tonight what we're gonna do is kick around a few things. Um, uh, and we don't. No one here is up to date on the MLB lockout, and it's probably. Uh, am I am I right that everyone is equally disappointed? Yes. It, you know, like, almost like you don't want to know. Yeah. It's just frustrating. You know, if I wish I knew a lot more about it, but that would require me to do some research and actually pay attention to it, which. With my schedule, like with finals and everything, I just haven't had the time to look into it or pay attention to it. But from what I heard, basically, the owners, um, they're not coming to terms with the commissioner's office. Am I right, Matt? Like, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I know I it has no to do with the owners. Usually, when like <laughs> leagues do lockouts, it has to do with the players. But I believe this time it has to do with the owners, and the owners can't come to agreements. So who knows how long we'll be in this for? But it's very disappointing as a fan. It's very frustrating. Um, I think if the season starts late and this lock lockout goes on, if it continues for a while, which I hope it doesn't, but if it does, I think, you know, MLB is already losing throughout the years. It's already lost a lot of popularity. Uh, there's been a lot going on in the past few years with like rule changes and everything, which also has been affecting the popularity. I think this is just going to make it worse. And, you know, it's kind of falls in the commissioner because it's just, it's really disappointing as a fan, you know, people people want spring training and they want the league to start on time after having the COVID year back in 2020 and, you know, it's just, yeah, we'll see what happens with it though. Yeah, you know what's, you know what's tricky about all that stuff and I gave up on it a long time ago is that I really don't understand, um, like, the, the power denominations like um, how much the commissioner does, how much, and we've talked about this a little bit before, how much the commissioner does, how much the franchises have, what do, you know, with the player union, you know, how, I don't understand the level of the battle that well and who can, you know, really do what has to be done. I, I, and, and I know what we might read in the paper, but um, I just, it just seems really confusing to me. And in the last podcast, I basically said, you know, how many, whether you're the owner or the player, how many cars or hot tubs do you need? That's kind of where I left off on it. And if somebody wants to email us about this, um, it's not certainly our strong suit uh, or, or our interest, as you can probably gather. But if someone wants to shed some light on it, we might talk about it another night. Um, Looking into 2022 for the Ted Williams League, I'm really excited. The presentation's been going good. Um, for those of you that, uh, that don't realize it, we have a YouTube um, channel, which is under Ted Williams Steve Ferroli Baseball, and there there are all sorts of um, different types of things where we talk about uh, problems in youth baseball, or we might talk about hitting or pitching or all different types of things, drills to stay away from, and maybe fun things too. You know, um, I, I I always like to talk a little bit about my times with Ted because I was very fortunate fortunate to have spent a, an enormous amount of time around him. And um, as a matter of fact, I just got a call today as someone that wanted to talk to me 
about the times that I was around Ted, which I thought was really interesting. You know, just an avid Ted Williams fan. Um, and that's the second time that happened this year, and it's happened before. I don't do a lot of that, but I, I certainly try to be, um, to honor him in that way if someone was a, you know, that much of a fan of his and wants to talk a little about him. But um, that's what that channel is about, and and, um, and uh, I think you may really enjoy that. Also, we have an online store, which has been a huge help this winter. You know, we sell different things there, you know, um, and all that goes to the Ted Williams League, and you can get there by uh, going, you know, www.tedwilliamsleague.com will get you to our website, and that's where our store is. Um, so in 2022, basically what we're doing is we're going to put out a campaign to get ourselves, you know, 20 or so players in every division with the exception of AA, which is, always has plenty of teams in it, um, in what we call short form. And we're going to try to get people to commit to that, and we'd prefer for them to stay within our rules. For example, we use wooden bats. Um, in most of the divisions of our, uh, of our league, not at the very young uh, ages, not yet. Like, yeah, five- and six-year-olds do not use wooden bats. We'll allow the metal bats there. Um, but after that, it's all wood, and there were reasons for that. And in our last, part, uh, our last um, Saving Youth Baseball presentation, we've started to talk about the bats and how they have affected the game you know, the aluminum, alloyed, titanium uh, bats. And um, anyway, what we're trying to do is to get um, all our divisions in short form and also other people that may want to create a short form um, team or unit in another town. And if they're close enough, they can play us or they can play someone else that's doing it. And we're about to really push out that campaign. And we really don't know how much time we're going to have peop for people that are dividing between this league. And we have people that are playing, trying to play in three different leagues. They're on a, an AAU team, for example. They're playing in town ball. And then they try to play with us as well. We really don't, for the first time in our career, we're saying we really don't want that player. We'd rather you just go to where you're going to go. And we'll find someone that's going to do the logic of what we're doing. And, and I guess the line that we're drawing is we believe in logic over popularity, so to speak. It might boil down to that, and that's what we're going to stand by. So that's a very exciting uh, 2022 coming up. Um, and um, you guys got anything to add to that? or? Uh, well, I just want to say I'm very excited that we're making that move of like, uh, like making it known that we prefer players to play in our league and our league only. Not that we'll completely shut out every player, but our, our players are most important to us, essentially. Yeah, I mean, what'll happen now is, that, let's say you're playing in town ball, or you're playing on an AAU team. The question will be is if we have room for you, we'll allow you to play, because you won't, it's an attendance problem. That's what ends up happening. Say we have 25 get-togethers, and you're only at 16 of them. Well, that's really not... A good lesson in life, and we've talked before about kids' baseball being a dress rehearsal for life. And um, you know, you got sitting here with Ryan. Uh, you know, uh, 
you know, trying to make his college team and you know being up being a college ball player he was always there I, I you know he's, he was very dedicated you know showing up you know Benjamin Franklin first part of success is you got to you got to show up and I, and I believe that and this is what happens when you start spreading your kid over a bunch of activities and over a bunch of leagues they're not there they're not just there for us but they're not there for the other ones either and and to me that doesn't make sense so we're drawing that line you know kind of acting uh, you know our own parenting skills out a little bit saying you know we we want you there we want you to commit to something and try to be good at it and the people that can't do that uh, we I don't know if there'll be room for you in a certain season you might not be able to do it in the spring but you might be able to enter in the summer or you may be able to enter in the fall that's okay but if you're gonna sign up for the spring you gotta be there you know of course if you're sick or something that's something different but I'm talking about when it's an obvious division of this and something else and and uh, you need to commit you're not gonna be good at anything in your life if you don't give it its due that's I, I agree with all you're saying, Steve. And then, like Matt said, we want to prioritize TWL players. Well, then again, if you have uh, players that are playing in three different leagues, you know, they're playing AAU, they're playing town ball, and they're playing with us in TWL, you got to think it's not be really beneficial for your, your kid either. You know, the saying goes that you could never get too much baseball, but at the same time, playing in three different leagues... I think it's a little too much, you know, it's a little too too many games. With two different rule sets right. as well. Right, two different rule sets, too many games, you know, you're not prioritizing your practices, you're prioritizing games over practices, which isn't always the best either, but, you know, it's it's better for your, your player, your son, and his growth in the game is if you make that commitment to, you know, t TWL, and you get all of that, you get practices, you get the perfect amount of games, and you get the perfect amount of instruction as well. Well, the thing that's that's really interesting here is is um, it may be three sets of rules, not even two. It could be three, because I noticed that you know that the AAU rules and the little league rules, for example, which would encompass most of the town programs, are different. And of course, our rules are different. And the thing that hasn't come up in come come up in this conversation at all is why. Now, we did a whole thing on that. We were talking about why why we're doing this. I did that podcast by myself, I believe. And what the Ted Williams League is saying is that we feel that the game was not scaled properly in the late 40s after a 10-year study and years of having the Ted Williams on, League on the field. We feel we have the best presentation of youth baseball. And let's be clear about that. So we're saying that it doesn't make sense for a boy to bat off a man-sized plate. It doesn't make sense for a boy to throw a man-sized baseball. These are just simple facts of the matter, and we actually did something about it, and we got the results to go with it. A couple of the results would be hit batters are decreased by 48%. There has never been a case of Little League Elbow in 20 seasons of the Ted Williams League. Now, if you don't know what Little League Elbow is, it's actually a growing concern. It's starting to kind of flare up again. Uh, you go on the internet and key in Little League Elbow and keep in mind that your boy, if he's playing in another league, not just a pitcher, anywhere on the field, 
20 and as high as 50%. They're not sure because little boys don't complain. But at least 20% of them, so that's going to be 2 out of 10, is going to develop little league elbow, and which is a micro tear in their elbow and also can be in their shoulder as well, but primarily their elbow. Never a case of that in the Ted Williams League. So the reason why we're drawing this line is because we, as a league, do not feel like it's the right thing to do to put, uh, to, we want the boys to be safe and we want them to learn the game properly. And that's what this is all about. This is why we're drawing this line this, this year. Um, and if, it, if, if it, it becomes difficult on us, then we'll go with the divisions that we can play. But I don't think so. I think we're going to be okay. We're going to really try to pull in as many people as we can to play in short form, which is the, the smallest version of the league done correctly, but it's safe, and it's also a great presentation of the game. Um, and, if, and so you're saying, what is this guy talking about? Someone's just listening to this for the first time. This is why you want to listen to the Saving Youth Baseball presentation. Right now it's 17 clips long. They're about four minutes a clip. And it will go through exactly what I'm talking about here in detail. Not just, you know, kind of saying, hey, we got a better presentation of baseball. The Saving Youth Baseball presentation will explain in detail why in all these different parts of the game it goes through the pitcher and the different plays and the, the bats that are being used and the plates that are being used and what, what's right and what's wrong and why and researches it back to the very inception of youth baseball which was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania in the mid-40s would probably be the best way to say it. So that's where we're headed and why we're heading there. And again, because we do care about your children and we feel that baseball is a dress rehearsal for life. So if that's the case, if your boy can go out there for five to eight years and he can really learn some things, make some mistakes and learn how to deal with other people and learn how to deal with the umpire correctly and learn how to take his licks, strike out, hit a home run, be humble. He can learn these lessons in baseball, and then he goes out into life. Well, if baseball is a better, if we can get that format done really well so that 70% of these kids don't quit at 13 years old, which is an international fact. In the Ted Williams League, we were up. Our teenage enrollment was higher. Our AA division, where we have our teenagers and adults, that's where we have the most players because we do a good job with the presentation at the lower levels of the game. And that's what we want to do and why we want to do it and why we, it might seem mean that we feel, that we're made drawing this line, but that's why we're doing it. There's reasons for it that are healthy and safe for your child. So there, that's my Christmas, New Year's air out right there. I kind of said it all. But um, anybody got anything to add to that before we go to a lighter side of this podcast? Well, one of the things I was hoping to do is I wanted to, to finish off the year with something fun, and it is Christmas season, and I was reminded of this. Um, I have a, a guy that I really like. His name is Rick Beato, and he has a music channel 
and I, I just really like this guy. He's a little younger than me, and uh, I've always been into music all my life, and he was doing a top 10 Spotify countdown. He's a, a music professor, or was a music professor in college in New York. And this guy's just a fantastic uh, music guy. And the Spotify countdown had four Christmas songs in it. And it was really interesting. It really got me thinking that, you know, no matter how much baseball is on my mind, it's Christmas time. So when I saw that, I think White Christmas was in there. Um, All I Want for Christmas uh, is You. Um, Jingle Bell Rock was in there. And there was one more, too. I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Um, but there was four of them in the top 10 Spotify countdown. So that meant if there was some rap song that's like playing all over the country, White Christmas by Bing Crosby kicked its butt. <laughs> that's how important Christmas is. And I, I get a big kick out of that. So what I wanted to do is maybe throw out some, some ideas about Christmas and see, uh, uh, let's stay on music. Let's go, we'll go around. We're going to go Matt, Dylan, Ryan, back to me. Let's do favorite Christmas songs. We're going to shift okay. this over to Christmas. And, we, you know, I don't know if Santa could hit, but I bet you we could teach him. What um, do you think? Best favorite Christmas song? So I knew you would ask me first, so I was kind of freaking out to find an answer because <laughs> I don't really know if I have one. But I'll, I, I'd say my favorite's probably the, the Charlie Brown Christmas song, the one where it's like... Um, oh, cool. Like all the kids singing. I don't even know the name of it, but... Oh, is it an instrumental? No, or is it, no, no. this oh, kids sing. Huh. Yeah, no, not. Th- I like the instrumental one, but the the other one. I, it, it's I've seen it in a Charlie Brown movie. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Was well, it? You know, it'd be interesting. We could find these and pop them in here. I don't know if that's, but that would that might be a little bit difficult. But Dylan, what do you got? Uh, I would say my favorite Christmas song is "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." Really? Like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. Awesome. Uh, favorite artist though, I'd have to say I like Nat King Cole. I'd say that's Nat. my favorite artist for Christmas songs. Wow, wow, that's interesting. I love Christmas music though. It's pretty much all I listen to this time of year. So now you, I'll tell you something from a musician's standpoint because I've played since I was younger than you guys. Um, a lot of musicians struggle with it because they only play it once a year. Oh, can you play this song? They're like, oh, hang on, they gotta check it out a little bit. They gotta, you know, kind of be remembered how it goes because even though it's popular, they don't play that song. But you know, just one time a year, it comes up, and it's a little bit tricky. Rye, you got a, a Christmas uh, song you like? I'm gonna go with Rudolph. Rudolph, I love it. Okay, <laughs> I can see Seamus. If Seamus is listening, he's smiling right now. I just think of Seamus for some reason. I think he took one off the nose in the elf field <laughs> in the fall. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm coming in with my favorite Christmas song, hands down, as the little drummer boy. Now that might surprise you, but drums was my first instrument. And uh, I always liked that show, that animation as a kid. You know, the idea of, you know, this poor boy having nothing and, you know, coming to, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the newborn king and being able to just play on his little drum, you know. I love that. I thought that was cool. So anyway, um, okay, let's jump over. Let's do Christmas movies. I got mine locked up here. So do, so do I. So do I. Oh, what are you on your phone digging it out of your phone? No, I was trying to find the Charlie Brown song. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I, I would need to listen to it. But, um, so I feel like a lot of people 
say they either love this movie or hate this movie, but mine's the Polar Express. Really? Yeah. I I just I I've heard some people say the animation of it freaks them out because it's a little bit like uncanny in a way, but I I think the story's like the perfect Christmas story, in my opinion. I like that movie, but. It's funny, when I was three years old, that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. So that's, I think it might have been mine. Really, yeah, that's why too. I really like that movie, because yeah. I can remember that was my first movie that I saw. But mine, anyway, uh, I wouldn't say that's not my favorite movie. My favorite one is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ah, what a riot. That's a good one. <laughs> what a riot. Um, you know what's funny is I I've seen that one. I've never seen Polar Express, so I'm putting that really? on my list. I've never seen that's, that movie. That's, un, that's unbelievable. That's Tom Hanks. Is that a voiceover with Tom yeah. Hanks? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in it. Voice yeah, is awesome. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. a must watch. Yeah, I will. I'm, that's on my list. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm definitely gonna do that because I've never seen that movie. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I've never watched it. So I'm gonna do that. Rye, what do you got? Uh, if we're considering this a Christmas movie, Die Hard. No, it's not. It's oh, not. man. It's not. it's not a Christmas oh, movie. Oh, my God. And if we're not, oh. then Elf. That's a riot. Bruce Willis, we're <laughs> blowing people up as your Christmas movie? Yes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that is pretty funny, though, because it's during Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but it, that um, doesn't make it a Christmas yeah, that's movie. It's like, like Jaws isn't like a 4th of July movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a riot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here, but uh, my favorite Christmas mo movie is A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott. I really like that version of it. I really really do. I I I watched uh, a version of it with Henry Winkler just the other night, and I liked that one too. But the George C. Scott movie, he does such a great job of of that character. I really like it, and I really like the the the, the, the kind of the last uh, ghost that comes to visit him. That just the way they uh, depicted that like bony, dark, scary uh, ghost. I, I just really like that movie. But anyway, and he does a great job too when he it, it's Christmas morning and he's he's turned over a, a new leaf. I think George mm -hmm. C. Scott just nails that role. Excellent, excellent movie. Um, I tell you what, how about best thing you ever got for Christmas? So mine would probably be when I got a PlayStation 2 when I was eight years old, I think. It was like the first video game thing I ever got. And I got a bunch of different games for it too. It was like the most money my parents ever spent on a Christmas. And yeah, even to this day, I still have it. I don't use it anymore, but I still have it. Uh, just in my room because it's such a good memory. That was my first console as well. And basically, like, I think PlayStation 2 is probably the, one of the greatest consoles of all time. Yeah, I think yeah, it's the me. most, the best selling of all time. I re yeah, it's the best selling. Um, well, what's on PlayStation 2? Re re remind me here. Well, just video just video games, I guess. Like Super Mario and... No, no. Not, not that far. No, back, that's no. pretty oh, much, no. that's Nintendo for the most part. But um, I remember I had, like, Pac-Man... I had uh like I had like old like racing games on there. Gran Turismo. I had that game. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you had like NCAA football back from like '06. Like they don't even make like college football games anymore. Yeah, I had a, a 2005 baseball game. Uh, uh on that console. I'm trying to think what else I had. Um, I think it was the Incredibles. 
It was like a, <laughs> but a lot of like campaign games, and they they made a lot of games based off of movies too, which is pretty cool. And um, I just think like now you have like the online gaming, of course. But back then, you had all these campaigns that you could just play for hours on end, and like yeah, like it would just be really they were all really fun to play. Rye, what do you think? Best Christmas uh, present? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with another video game console, but a different one. I'm gonna say the Xbox 360 <laughs> because I don't know PlayStation 2 was a little before my time. Played it a little bit, but I was a lot younger. So yeah, Xbox 360. Awesome. Kind of, you kind of skipped over me, though. That wasn't my favorite. Oh, I'm sorry, no, Dylan. it's okay. <laughs> that well, wasn't my favorite I gift, apologize. but I would say... <laughs> What's your favorite gift? I would say... <laughs> I would say when I was, like, seven, um, I got a basketball hoop when I was, say, seven or eight. Well, I mean, me and Ryan got it, but me personally... Like, I think, a, like a real one? Yeah, like a, my first, like, real basketball hoop. I would say that was my favorite because... Once the weather got nice, that's what I was doing every day after school was playing basketball and shooting hoops in the driveway. Is that the one still in the driveway yeah, now? Yep. I've shot, I've shot that basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I'd even play with my friends at night, too, after school once it got dark. Like, we'd turn on the spotlight. and Yeah, it was just definitely my favorite gift of all time because it's, like, really what got me into basketball, which I'm a really big basketball fan, too. Um, and that was probably... Like, obviously, baseball is my favorite sport now, but back then, I would say growing up, basketball was definitely my favorite sport to play and to watch. Yeah, it's a fun game, that's for sure. I played a lot of basketball, loved, loved basketball. And you know, I, I can really identify with having the hoop, having the hoop in the yard. When my, my parents moved to Hanover, I just about begged them for a basketball hoop, but the boys across the street, the Mottos, had a basketball hoop, and I... You know, before too long, was friends with them. We just shoot the, we were just shooting that thing all all the time. So I never really had to put one up in my yard because we're always shooting at Scott or Ross's house. Um, my favorite present. It's going to be tricky. I got three of them, and uh, you'll see why. And they, um, it's very very interesting. Um, my first one, uh, I was a young guy, about about your age, Dylan, or Matt's age. You know, rise a little younger, and. Uh, I was in my house and the doorbell rings. I was probably like, now what are you now, Dylan? Twenty? Twenty. Twenty, yeah. I was about twenty years old, so and the doorbell rings. And this boy who lived in the neighborhood, he's a little bit younger than me, he was probably about fifteen or so at the time. And he comes up and he goes, I, I got you a Christmas present. And I said, his name was Dave. And I said, Wow, I said, Ah, oh, that's cool. Dave Acapora his name. And uh, like I said, a little bit younger than me, he just was like, I just think you're a really good guy and I wanted to give you this Christmas present. And it always made me feel good. It was a Bruce Springsteen uh, four or five album set. It must have cost him a lot of money. And he was just a young kid. And he just wanted to give it to me because he thought I was a, a good guy. And, you know, like I'd, I always take time to talk to him or, or do whatever. And it just caught me completely by surprise. So that was one of them. Uh, the other one, was Dave Munces's son and wife come over at Christmas, and uh, they had this big gift for me. And I, I unwrapped it, and I, when I looked at it, it was just like this flat board. And then I flipped it over, and it said Studio 406. 
And what had happened was Dave Munstis, number 15, our buddy, the leader of the Knothole Gang, had, um, was working on a, a sign for our studio where we do our music and our podcasts and everything. We're in here right now. We're in Studio 406. And the sign's up on the wall. If you guys never saw it, it's right behind you there. So that's what I'm talking about. And Dave was working on this sign for the studio and, as you know, passed away with cancer. But he this was a project he was working on. So his son finished the project and they gave it to me for Christmas, which was awesome. And then the last one on the list is, I'll never forget this. I was maybe, oh, I'm going to say, oh, boy, I don't know, somewhere around 27 years old, somewhere in there. And I get this big crate, and it comes to the house, and it's a crate of oranges. And it's from my friend, Ted Williams from Florida sent me a crate of oranges out of the blue. And I was like, wow, you know, he really, he's just thinking about me, you know, and I ate every one of those suckers, you know. There were these big mother oranges and Ted sent them to me and I was like, wow, Ted Williams is thinking about me during Christmas. It was cool. So those are my three and I'll, I'll never forget them, you know. It's basically his way of saying Merry Christmas from Florida. Yeah, you can't, up here. can't say it better than oranges, I'll tell you that. Yeah, especially the vitamin C, keep the flu away, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to send a truck no a truckload now with COVID. Holy crap. <laughs> but um yeah, so let's what else? What else? What's another Christmas go around? Um maybe like favorite family traditions or something. Oh, I like that. Good one. Yeah. Good one. You guys have families? I'm kidding you. Yeah, Matt, wait, let's do it. That's a uh, that's a great one. Well, because I'm Italian and my family's Catholic, we always have seven different types of fish on Christmas Eve. It's like this Italian American tradition, I guess. And yeah, we have, we're a little bit lenient, like we'll count like clam as a fish and stuff like that. But yeah, we have seven different types of fish on Christmas Eve and it's a really good dinner. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. Dylan, you got like a. Uh, yeah, mine has to do with food as well. Um, usually every Christmas morning after we're done opening presents, my mom has like a homemade coffee cake that she makes. And, um, you know, I could always, you guys could try it sometime too, but, uh, <laughs> honestly it's awesome. It's yeah. like no other coffee cake you've had before. So just every morning after opening gifts, it's just nice to sit down and have that like as a family for breakfast. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And we'll, we'll hold you up on that. We can try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, you're on. <laughs> Rye, did he beat uh, you to it? Did no, he beat you to the no, coffee I, cake? I have a different one. Uh, <laughs> every year, like either the weekend or two after Thanksgiving, we all go together to pick out the tree, and that's that's my favorite. Ah, oh, that's cool. People really do that. The family goes and picks out the tree. I, I love have, that. I have a fake one. You have a fake tree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys saw my fake tree. Yeah. That's uh. That's that's cool. So you so you'll go like in, like like cut it down like somewhere or, or no do you not just, not or, not that extreme. But okay. uh, like usually we will go to Wyman's up the street oh, yeah, by yeah, the yeah, yeah. over there, and um, usually I pick out the best trees every year. Is usually, that right, right? Or is he <laughs> no, just me? Yeah, that's, that's it. Where's the horn? Where's Dave's horn? We'll honk him. Oh, I can't find you. That's too bad. I knew I always get your sister on that. She'd probably be like, neither one of them are good at it. <laughs> you know, it's me. I'm picking the best I like to pick out the tree, though, because, I don't know, I like the tree to be, like, 
It's like perfect looking as can be. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> well, they're fun, you know. I um, I would have to say, and I, you know, I I don't do this anymore, but for years and years and years, again, right around your age, and I'm talking for ten years, for a decade. Myself and all my neighborhood buddies used to go what we called elfing. And it was Christmas caroling, basically, only. Um, oh, no. The Christmas caroling with, with, with you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to put it, uh, but with, with a little motivation, you know. That's probably the best way to say it. You know, you guys, you know, the drinking age is 21, so I'm going to be careful here, but... Um, you know, years ago, it was, the drinking age was 18, and uh, we used to go out and Christmas carol, and, um, and it was a, a, just a great time, and we met, we, several years, we went to Marvin Hagler's house, and he was really nice to us, and, and, uh, you know, we were basically in Hanover, we traveled other towns, too, though, it really got, it really had an extensive, uh, route, and we had lights and drums and guitars, and it wasn't just like, People like singing, you know, with it's not like caroling like you'd see it like in an old movie with like books and stuff. It was, you know, it was dancing and it was, it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. And some of the guys couldn't sing at all, you know, and they just kind of like be props, you know. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And, and, um, and some of the guys were excellent, you know. And we'd have, you know, maybe four or five cars. It was like a whole caravan, and we'd get out, and we'd set up on somebody's lawn, and and they'd come, you know, I'll come out, and and we, it was just a great time. It was just a lot of fun. So that was that's probably the tradition. Right now, what I do is I, uh, one of my daughters, we always buy a Christmas ornament together, and you know that's something that we've been doing. But with COVID, we kind of got off of that, so hopefully we'll get back on it this year. So who's got another? Who's got another Christmassy idea? That was kind of a fun one. Seven types of fish. I show up with a fillet of fish. Somebody gonna slap me? <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's a type of fish, I guess. <laughs> Usually, like we'll have, there'll be like a fish stew that has like three in it, and then there's like a lobster casserole, and um, I'm pretty sure there's like usually like salmon out on its own. And yeah, some we have somehow get it to seven. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. And Catch we don't have any fish on Christmas Day. Then it's like all meat on Christmas Day. Huh. Wow. Um, okay, let's do let's do this. Do you? Because this is something people argue. I've heard people argue about this all my life. Now, can you open in your house? Can you open a present on Christmas Eve? We, Matt, we'll start with you. Okay, so. I see my mom's side of the family on Christmas Eve, and we open their gifts on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and on Christmas Day, we open. I open my parents' gifts to me. Uh, when I was a kid, I would open the Santa gifts on Christmas Day, and then I would open my dad's side of the family's gifts on Christmas Day. Man, you don't see a rule book for that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I got gotcha. you. Dylan, what what goes on in, the, in so, the Mac house? We usually go to my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve, and then. We open their gifts, but uh, usually like between like the the house, um, like our family inside family, um, usually my sister will try and get us to open like one present on Christmas Eve. But it's funny because like Ryan and Ryan and my sister will like 
they always want to like open a gift on Christmas Eve, but I like to wait till Christmas Day. They'll be like handing me like a gift. I'm like, no, I'm not opening it till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are they do, are they doing that so they can try to get Christmas closer, or just to see if they can break you down? <laughs> I don't know. What do you? <laughs> I mean, this year you have to open my gifts on Christmas Eve. Yeah, but I don't want to open it on Christmas Eve. See, it's wait. happening right here. We don't, we don't even, where's the perfect tree? They're already arguing. But the way I see it is like it's another gift to open on Christmas Day, you know what I mean? Like I like to wait till Christmas Day comes. <laughs> so, Rod, where do you stand on all this? So, so is it against, if in fact someone was to open a gift, would Dan like, you know, hit you with a snow shovel or something? Or can you do it if you wanted to oh, on Christmas Eve? Yeah, My dad doesn't care enough, I don't think. My mom probably would, yeah. <laughs> so so it's Chris so the, 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 the Mac rule is Christmas morning. And Ryan and your sister are trying to finagle this rule. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Now I got it clear. As soon as they wake up on Christmas Eve, like did Christmas come a day early or like, like you guys want to open gifts now? We still have 24 more hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, we, um, we, we've always been uh, Christmas morning. You know, um, we, never, we never opened any gifts on Christmas Eve in my house. That was just kind of the way it went. And, uh, you know... Uh, I remember one time when I was really little, I got up like, my father was a carpenter and worked hard for his life. And um, I get up really early, you know, my brother, I had an older brother, my little brother wasn't born yet. And I get up like at, you know, five and I'm in, in under the tree playing with trucks and stuff. And and uh, that didn't go over too well. The old, man, <laughs> the old man said, it's time for you to go to bed again. He was not happy with me, so, but I get up in a few hours and it was okay. <laughs> you know, it's it's exciting. It's tough being a little kid. That's all you get. I mean, you, these kids are fired up, man. Yeah. They're fired up. All right, who's done that? Anybody aware of the elf on the shelf thing? Yep. You guys yeah. know what that is? I, I know what it is. I never did it as a kid. Okay, so this is, let me see if I got this right, because one of my daughters does this. I'm a grandfather here, and she, uh, She'll like it. She puts an elf around like the house, and that's kind of watching the kids. Is that what the, what it is? Right. Yeah. I I still have an elf in the shelf in my house. You do. Yeah. Okay. So you so so that's still happening. Right. Yeah. It first started to become a thing when I was little. I'm pretty sure when I was probably like ten, ten or eleven, somewhere around there. And it's all about the kids being good, so that right they'll get good stuff. For, like the elf will rat them out. Right, yeah. To Santa. That's the, the elf watches, yeah, and then if you're bad, the elf will report to Santa. So it's it's boy, it's a little creepy. I mean, <laughs> the elf is kind of like a spy. And isn't there like a rule like you can't touch the elf? Like, yeah, if you, you can't touch like the... put him in the washing machine. Or something? <laughs> yeah, if you touch the elf, the elf loses its magic. So. Oh, oh, okay. They they say the elf's not going to go to the North Pole to report to Santa, so you won't get any gifts if you touch the elf on the shelf. Ah. Uh, okay. Santa loses your file. <laughs> yeah. Right, has anybody ever written a letter to Santa? I might have when I was a kid. Yeah. Or you mean like just like the list of what you want? Yeah, and well, actually, uh, and, and then it gets mailed. Yeah, yeah. I my well, I don't know what my mom would do with it, but I'd write it and give it to her, and she said she'd mail it. But. 
Have you done? You guys yeah, all did that? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did that too. I I'm really was kind of hoping that one that one didn't go away. Make a make a out a letter to Santa and then give it to your mother and father and they'd mail it for you. There's actually a movie, an older movie, where uh, I can't remember the gist of it, but at the end of the movie, all these bags of letters to Santa Claus come into the courtroom to prove, because they're a federal document, they're the mail, to prove that he really is Santa Claus. Because, you know, here's all these documents that are addressed to him. It's kind of interesting. And that's a cool movie, too. I can't think of the name of it, but anyway. Um, what else? What, what else about Christmas? Anybody build a snowman here? I haven't since I was a kid. Yeah, I haven't for a while. I mean, it doesn't have, snow as much anymore. We haven't had the opportunity this year. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's funny. At least where we are, I I built a few snowmen in my day, but at least where we are, I noticed something else too. Very common to be able to skate. And when I say where we are, we're talking thirty minutes south of Boston. And very common to be able to skate when I was a kid, like pretty much throughout the winter. Even when I was winter. a kid, and you're going back 15 years, 15 years ago, you know, the ice, there was like a bog right up the street, um, it's in Pembroke, um, that basically it always froze over, and that's where everyone was on Saturdays and Sundays, everyone was skating on the pond. But yeah. uh, it doesn't seem like it freezes as much anymore. Yeah. It's kind of... I don't know if it has to do with global warming or what it is, but it's, I mean, we don't want to get into like that subject, but yeah, it's just, I wish it would like snow a little bit more. Well, it, I mean? it, it definitely, it definitely is warmer. I mean, it has to be because I notice it for sure. I, I, there's just not the skating, that whole ice being frozen is not what it used to be. And uh, there's no question about that in my mind. I mean, I know there are days that it's really, really cold, and they might even be record days, but on an average, seeing that we're baseball guys, on an average, it's warmer for sure. There's no question about that. They did say there's a chance it could snow later this week on Friday night, so on Christmas Eve, so maybe we'll get a white Christmas this year. It's actually been a while since we've gotten a white Christmas. You know, it's funny because <laughs> me and my buddies are out on one of those Carolyn uh, elfing missions, and uh, it started snowing while we were in the middle of it. It wasn't snowing at all when we started, and right in the middle of it, it started snowing. It was like perfect, you know? So mm -hmm. I, it's funny you bring that up. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Right in the middle, and this was always on Christmas Eve too. We did this always on Christmas Eve. What else, what's another good one? Another Christmas thing. Maybe a worse gift you ever got. <laughs> worse gift? Uh-oh, we could be in trouble. I don't think they're listening, though. But, um, yeah, you got a worse gift, Matt? Um, you set yourself up now. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, well, every year I always get, like, now, like, ever since I would, like, hit puberty, I would get, I get stuff like shaving cream and stuff, which I, I don't really need because I can buy at Walmart up the street uh, for like five bucks but yeah <laughs> so you get you get shaving cream and you think that's like well, yeah, why yeah, would you buy me shaving cream? <laughs> that sort of thing because yeah. it's inexpensive that's why no. <laughs> so it's a bad gift 
<laughs> yeah, we're perfect. I'm gonna pass on this one. Go to Ryan. Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's listening. Oh, Ryan. Done a Yankee swap yeah. before. You might <laughs> might have a better understanding of that. But Ryan, go ahead. I I don't even have one. I gotta put on the spot here. Oh, um, he likes them all. He got all good pre presents. I would I I would have to say like the like the repetitive gifts. I won't say that they were bad gifts, but like, mom always gave me socks. Every yeah, yeah, here's yeah. some socks and underwear, you know. And and I'm not saying it was bad, but it's just like, okay, thank you. It's almost like your hands. You don't even have to open it. You already know what it is. She hands you the the. Uh, I got a good one. Most creative wrapped. Like I I, I just had a I, I had a. Um, Gave something to somebody. I can't remember who it was. It might have been my little brother. I can't remember who I gave it to, but I had, it was like this little thing, and I had a big box, and then another box, and another box. And I, I kept going down the sides, and they were all wrapped until he had this like little thing that I gave him at the end. You know, it was like this big box down. Um, that, I always thought that was a lot of fun, doing stuff like that, you know. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen that one before, but that was kind of fun. Um, never really gotten one of those. No, but yeah. I know. And anything like that? You ever see anybody do anything like that to you, or you see someone do that? A lot of rapping. <laughs> one thing I never understood was like the concept of like the gift card, because like if you think about it, you can just give me the money and I can spend it wherever I want. But you give me the money, but I have to spend it at Target no oh. matter what. <laughs> <laughs> And not that I dislike it or anything, because I mean you have to put thought into like where the gift card's from, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. If I can't find anything at, I would at say Walmart, I would say an interesting thing about me though is like, well, you have the gift cards, but uh, like when I buy Christmas presents for people, and I do like my Christmas shopping, I am not like an online shopper whatsoever, which is interesting because like everyone who I know my age just shops on Amazon or online or whatever. But I actually like going to the store and buying stuff in person. It's just how I am. Well, I tell you, with shipping these days, <laughs> you might get <laughs> you might get your presents at uh, you know on uh, the Fourth of July. You gotta be careful there. <laughs> wrong about that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got I got somebody's present out in my truck, UPS delivered it, and I gotta find them and I gotta either find UPS and say hey. This person does. This isn't Main Street, you know. They they delivered it to the wrong house, and now it's like I either got to find UPS to give it back to them, or I got to go to the house and deliver the package myself. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> I had enough to do. Who can think of something else Christmas as we kind of head toward wrapping this up? It's kind of fun talking about something different, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm an, I'll segue in with baseball. One of the hitting drills I loved to do was to hit snowballs. I used to hit snowballs, pitch snowballs and hit them. And, I'll, and somebody say, what? what are you talking about? And I'll tell you what I like about that. Number one, when the, when the snow hits the bat, it'll leave a little mark. The sum of the snow will stick on the bat so you can see where you hit the snowball on the bat. And it was great because, okay, well, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't need baseballs. You don't have to shag anything. The other guy's just got to make them, the pitcher. And he throws them and you hit them. 
Now here's the thing I really like about it. You get your head down in looking at the contact point, get a face full of snow. <laughs> so that's, I don't believe in that because Ted was one of the first people ever told me, let your head belong to the top. Your head is the top axis of your swing. Once you commit your swing, don't jerk your head out of there, but just let your head rotate toward where the ball's going to go. You can't, keeping your head in is a mistake. It's going to slow down your swing. Now, people always hear this and go, what, this guy's crazy. One of the best things that was ever told to me as a hitter, I increased my swing speed dramatically by not trying to watch the ball hit at the contact point. I'm not saying I wasn't watching the ball, but once I committed to it, I let my head go to where the ball was going to go. I used to call it filling the picture, the picture, like the, you know, the framed picture. So the ball's coming in, the pitcher throws the ball, and now I see it and I commit to it and my head kind of goes and then the ball would go into the picture that I was now looking at. I didn't have to look down at the ball, hit the bat, which you can't do anyway. It's a fallacy. Especially, maybe at slow, slow speeds you can't. I'll have to try that. That sounds like a really all, good drill. Oh so my God. Basically, what? if you get a face full of snow, you're doing it wrong, right? Well, kind of, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it'll, it'll show you exactly whether it was on the sweet spot or not. And it, you can do it in the in the wintertime as long as the snow is good. You can't have that powder crap. you got to have the, you know, the packing snow for snowball fights. You know, I mean, we were, when I was a kid, we just died for snowball fights. That was like... That was what we wanted to do when we get out of school was the snow was good. We had a blast doing it. But yeah, that's something I used to do. Now, that concept is not in the science of hitting. It's not in there. And probably it's not in there because it's a very radical thing to say. And I think this is also a place where, uh, you know, um, Ted and I... Um, had a lot of fun together because uh, I think he didn't put that in the book because it was too abstract for the science of hitting, but not between me and him. Well, we could talk about stuff like that that was like a step beyond what was in that book. And uh, it was a huge help to me. And anyway, so that was, that was something about snow, uh, you know, winter and snow and Christmas that I had forgotten about. Actually, there's a beautiful picture of me blasting a ball in that first book, Disciple of Master. I don't know if that went, made it to the second book, but it'll make it to the third, Matt. Let's bring that one back. <laughs> yeah, it'll make it to the third book. Does anybody got anything else to say as we kind of kind of wrap up here a um, bit? I would just like to wish all of our... Uh, all the people listening, all of our players, and everyone part of the Ted Williams League, just like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. That that sounds great. And uh, uh, boys, it's great to have you back, and we can probably do a few more of these before you you get busy again. So from Hanson, Massachusetts, have a great holiday, and what do we say? Get a, get a good pitch to hit. hit. That's it. I called on you to spark up all my Days at the playground or right out in the street Baseball 